This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. This is second part with Dr. Krekor Milk, and we are continuing our discussion about physical activity and life transitions and socioeconomic factors. In the first part, we discussed about patterns of physical activity across the lifespan for prevention of chronic disease and the differences between low and middle income countries. So if you haven't listened to the first part yet, you might want to check it out first. In this part, we will be discussing, for example, physical activity and life transitions to adulthood. So, so Krekor, should we start this episode with the physical activity and transition to adulthood? What kind of studies you have done and what have you found in your studies? So... Thanks, Oli. Uh, I can share share with you one recent recent study that conducted using data from one of the Brazilian, uh, one of the Pelotas uh, birth cohort studies. So basically, in this study that includes everyone that was was born in Pelotas, that is a medium sized city in uh, extreme south of Brazil. That's where I'm from. So that includes nearly five thousand participants or that were born in the city in 1993, and they are followed since then. Specifically for this study that is going to be published, I think, in two or three weeks, we look at the relationships between device-measured physical activity at age 18, physical activity at age 22, and metabolic profile at age 18 and age 22. So basically, we look, we had physical activity, device-measured physical activity, and metabolic profile at age 18, and also these measures uh, four years later in this sample um, of Brazilian adolescents, ad- ad- young adults, um, depends on your <laughs> perspective. So basically what we look at is how much physical activity declined, we observed how much metabolic profile improved or got worse, and how much, and we observe the relationships between these declines in physical activity and change in metabolic profile. So our main finding was, or the main findings uh, were, one, as expected, device-measured physical activity declines from age 18 to age 22. So if we think about non-bouted physical activity, so movement overall without considering uh, for how long, that uh, there is a decline both in men and women. And these declines, they reflect on change in metabolic profile. So basically, the metabolic profile from age eight, uh, 18 to age 22, metabolic profile gets a little bit worse. Or you have a change in the metabolic profile, so more higher blood pressure, Overall, not only these, this, um, but higher blood pressure, higher uh, body, body fat mass, glucose, and uh, metabolic profile overall. 
So, and then we, that was the, the, the first finding, uh, was to understand how much physical activity change and how much metabolic profile change. And then we look how much actually physical activity at age 18 and change in physical activity, they predict uh, metabolic health at age 22. One of the, the questions that we had was, okay, and that is still related to what we discussed in the first part. So if you were very active at age 18 and you maintain your level of physical activity, okay, we know that probably that is good for your health. But what if you were active and you decrease your activity level? Or what if you were inactive and then you increase? How this plays a role on metabolic health? So for this study, the main finding was that physical activity at age 18 was an important predictor of metabolic profile and change in metabolic profile at, from age, at age 22. But actually, change in physical activity were a stronger predictor of metabolic profile at age 22. So in other words, is for metabolic profile, the amount of physical activity that you do now seems to be more important than the amount of physical activity that you did in the past. So this is really important in terms of health promotion as well, because it just uh, reinforced the message that, okay, you still have time to do physical activity and you still can do physical activity. And if you do physical activity now, even though that you haven't done anything in the past, you still can accumulate health benefits. In this case, metabolic profile. So this is one finding. One thing that was interesting and that really um, we need more research to explore more about that actually, is that these findings, they were really, really clear in men but they were not as clear in women. So for men, that was like the relationships were very, very uh, beautiful. Everything that we would expect, like linear associations and every like, but with women, that is very, very unclear yet. So it seems that we have the same pattern that we observe in men, but the findings, they are much more, they're not as clear as in men. So... If you ask me why, I can't say you, I can't give you an answer right now because that is something that needs further research, definitely. And and you said that the the physical activity at 22 years old was bigger predictor of the metabolic profile. So how fast these actually these markers of metabolic profile are responding? Like blood pressure probably is quite quickly responding to your your physical activity level which makes sense and also it takes some time for the fat mass to respond but but it's also quite fast do you have some markers that are kind of slowly responding and was there any difference with within these no we we haven't looked yet at uh individual markers we look at metabolic profile actually we look at metabol the metabolic profile excluding uh, individual markers one each time. So we look at the metabolic profile, for example, excluding body fat mass, excluding glucose, and so on. And there was no change. Like the, the pattern of association was exactly was the same. What we want to do now, actually, that is 
intend to start that in a couple of uh, weeks now is to look at individual markers that is and also look at other aspects or aspects of physical activity including not only volume of physical activity that was what we did here but looking at different intensities and different bout durations of physical activity so trying to compare people that accumulate let's say 100 minutes or 150 minutes per week with more structured physical activity and with people that accumulate that with more like incidental physical activity so that is something that we are starting starting now actually we haven't started we are going to start in, in two or three weeks so uh, that is one question that we we still have definitely so which component of the metabolic profile respond quicker or and which and then again which pattern of pattern of accumulation of physical activities more important let's say for glucose control or for body composition so it might be for example that's just a i'm making up a, but it can be for example that for body composition is better to to do physical activity like 30 times 30 sessions of one minute but for glucose it's better for you to do one session of 30 minutes so continuous like yeah that is some yeah that that will be interesting like for example that is is light intensity activity more related to fat mass for example because it's probably an energy expenditure but then you have some some markers which are more about kind of fitness so it's probably just higher the intensity more you have responses for example i would guess in blood pressure so have you created any hypothesis yet for for this what do you what do you expect to see i don't know yet in terms of health outcomes honestly the only thing that uh, my hypothesis or things that i believe or how can i say that is that i still i'm still not convinced i'm still not a hundred percent convinced by the argument that was made for the current physical activity guidelines on removing the 10 minute bout i understand why they removed i definitely i I don't think that we have evidence that says anything related to the 10 minute bouts i get that i agree with that but the message that we are we have that doing one block of 10 minutes is similar to doing 10 blocks of one minute i don't think that that's the case i think that that might be different for some health outcomes that are related to energy expenditure for example body body or fat mass might be just related to intent to volume of physical activity so you can do that as many times but for some outcomes like glucose where you have a, a physiological response i think that it might be related to the duration of the bout as well but as i said that is a guess that's not that's something that we we will only be able to see uh, in the future yeah i i think that's that's a really important point that you bring up and and there's probably a difference when we look at like for example just uh 
just the health risks in general, and maybe it's kind of gets averaged out, but probably like doing a one 10 minute or let's say 30 minute pout is improving your fitness more than doing 31 minute bouts where your heart rate doesn't go up. And especially in relation to this Holterman studies that if you, if you just do eight hours of physical activity in your work, you might still have a really bad fitness if you don't get your heart rate up. So yeah, but of course this is about how do we message to public what this, we need to make it simple so we cannot make the story too complicated, even there's, there's a difference. Yeah, and actually this is a really topical research topic uh, because, and the reason, the main reason for that is because now we have physical activity measures that allow us to look at these different patterns, actually. Because for years, all the evidence that we had were based on self-report measures of physical activity. That They are really good. I do like them. But they were, they were good to give us a big picture of physical activity levels of the population and what people do. Uh, but now when we have device-measured physical activity, when we have high-resolution data, so we can even detect some patterns of movement that are actually... We can kind of replicate laboratory studies into populational-based studies. So basically... One of the concepts that Andreas was working on and Professor Stamatakis on, that they changed the name now, but the original name of the framework that they were working in, the HIPAA, the High Incidental, High Intensity Incidental Physical Activity, that was pretty much based on that idea on uh, HIIT or High Intensity Interval Training. So, and that is possible to, to be detected because we have high resolution data now. So we can see people that did this kind of a pattern of high-intense interval training, not necessarily training, but in a daily life. So, and I think that in the future, in the next years, we're going to see a lot of good quality evidence on these different patterns of accumulation of physical activity. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, Collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data, introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian SenseMotion is a cutting-edge, next-generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data, a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com.
That is senes.fibian.com. Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. Yeah, I, I like the the concept that Stamatakis have introduced and their their group. I think it's a really nice idea for people who don't, for example, have time to exercise as such, but just kind of include some high intensity things in climbing the stairs or carrying something heavy. So I, I really like the idea. I know, I would say, and that for in terms of public health message, that's really important because people, they want to know what's the best exercise, what's the best thing that they can do. 10 years ago, I guess, when in my other life, I was a fitness in- instructor. <laughs> I worked a couple of years as a fitness instructor. And at that time, and I'm pretty sure that that is still the situation. The main question that I received from my clients uh, was, okay, what's the best exercise to X? So what can I do? I want to improve X body composition. I want to improve fitness. I want to decrease my glucose levels, whatever. So that kind of a statement was always followed by what's the best exercise? What's the best I can do? So how can I optimize my exercise, my physical activity routine? So, and that's why, that is what fascinates me about this field is kind of, okay, now we have data. To, and we can look at these different patterns and, and put all together. So it becomes a kind of a little bit messy, but patterns of physical activity in different life stages, cha- different patterns of physical activity, daily life patterns of physical activity as well. And probably from the research, we cannot say that the one exercise would be the best, but if you would need to reply, like somebody would asking, what is the best exercise? I don't have too much time to exercise. I want to be be fit. What what What's the best one? What would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think that is the, that is, that's how I see the future. So people will have knowledge. We will have knowledge to empower people to have, to, to take, their own decisions based on the data that we have. So we might see, we might be able to see, to say, for example, okay, you can do 20 minutes of running or this exercise, or you can do 10 minutes of this one, or you can do five minutes of that one. And you might have, probably you have the same health benefit. So then you create choice for people. You create choice so people can look, okay, I don't like the 20 minutes, but I do like the five minutes. That might be me. And then you might say, oh, I would rather go for the 20 minutes and so on. So then you create choice for people and people are, I think they can be, they are more likely to, to do a physical activity when they have choice and they have choice that fit their life their life periods, their life constraints, and so for their time and everything else. You, you as an old 400-meter runner, so probably the best exercise is to run one 400 meters full speed, right? Oh, and <laughs> now my, my best exercise is playing soccer or trying to play soccer because uh, it's still a little bit intense and it's a the time of the week that I, I have, I can see my friends and socialize and have a chat after that. So it's, it's kind of a, 
or go for my long run, not long runs. I can't go to, to long runs anymore because I just get disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's say that for a 400 meter runner, like two kilometers is a long run in, it, in indeed, a way. Indeed, uh, yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Now I'd say our task as researchers, uh, physical activity researchers, is to generate the best evidence that we have available and make it and generate the best evidence possible and make that av- available. So then people have choice to become active. I something that really annoys me in our field sometimes is that we and that's a critic that I do for myself as well. We know everything about physical activity, and then when we want to promote physical activity, we just say the same thing for people. Oh, just go for a walk, for example. Some people love that. Some people hate that. So if someone tell me tells me, oh, go for a walk, I say, oh, no way. I don't have any. You know, I, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I can see that. And so you, you have been studies related to physical activity in different parts of life. And what, what, what is the best age to be active based on your, your research findings? I've, I would say the best age to be active is the age that you are now, regardless of the age that you are. So um, from what I, I have seen from my studies and from other studies, including studies from the Australian Longitudinal Study, um, from the Australian, the Women's Health Study, from other studies that were conducted in the USA, in Brazil, and overall, I can see from the UK as well, when you look at patterns of physical activity during the life course, it seems that it, uh, that message that message that is, is never too late to become active that is a really important message and that's what happens so when you compare people with different trajectories of physical activity those that become active they tend to be a little bit better off than those that became in, inactive so even though yeah if you were that those people were inactive if they were active in the past it's better to be active now we did a study here with health costs. So we look at physical activity levels or trajectories of physical activity over 12 years in women here in Australia. So from the, when they were in their 50s until they were in their 60s. And we look, look at physical activity in three different time points. And what we observed was that women that were constantly active in this case, uh, that were active in three time points, they have much lower health costs than those that were consistently inactive. But we also observed that those women uh, that were active in at least one time point, they had lower health costs and medical and pharmaceutical uh, costs than, than those that were always inactive. And we kind of observed that those response relationship and more you were active, better, and in different line, time points as well. So basically the current level of physical activity is, is important for your health, not what you did in the past. I think that what you did in the past is, uh, we can't disregard that, definitely. I think that is, is still important, 
but uh, the message I think is uh, what you do now is really important. So if you did not, if you haven't done anything in the past, that's okay. You still can accumulate health benefits. If you did something in the past, that was great, but you still need to keep doing. And and how do you see the the kind of role of having competence to be be physical active, having fitness actually to be able to be active enough and and also about kind of learning the habits have have you looked any of these factors when you look at the trajectories uh no not actually i haven't looked at any of these specific like more behavioral change and understanding behavior in that perspective i know that there are lots of research and lots of good researchers that are doing research in that that specific field so having more a more behavioral approach and understanding the different stages of behavioral change. Personally, I haven't done much research in this specific field. So when I think about determinants, I look much more on social determinants than uh, individual determinants of change or maintenance of physical activity. Yeah, I see. And and what kind of practical tips or guidelines you would say from these studies other than it's never too late to be active what what other take-home messages you would give from from these studies so i reinforce the idea from the guidelines so something is better than nothing it's never too late but for me is doing something that you really enjoy as physical activity and that you keep doing so you don't need to do a physical activity that you don't like because if you do that you're likely to stop that in a couple of weeks so the message is we have evidence that shows that you can do pretty much whatever you want to do Uh, you can play sports you can do long walks you can do short high intensity exercise you can play tennis you can do a lot of different activities and still have benefits for health. So again, we did a study here with mid-age adults where we look at participation in a range of recreational uh, sports and activities and occurrence of hypertension, diabetes, and obesity. So basically we look at adults that reported uh, a list of 12 13 recreational activities, including running, cycling, playing golf, tennis, swimming, and so on, uh, at a recreational level, not a competitive competitive level. And we observed that those that did something, they were much better off than those that haven't done anything. And most importantly, we found that many different activities, they, have, they, they were associated with uh, lower... Uh, risk of of hypertension, diabetes, and obesity as well. So there was some variation. Uh, some activities, they were a little bit better than others for hypertension or obesity, let's say. But overall, uh, the findings were really in that direction. So do whatever you want to do, and you have choice, and you can do whatever you want to, what would you enjoy doing. Yeah, so that's, that's some great points there. Uh, we are we are closing thirty minutes mark, so we start, would could start wrapping up this episode. Is there any 
other things you would like to bring into discussion or any any final remarks for this episode? I uh, just would like to thank you and everyone that is listening uh, that now. Um, I think it was a great uh, discussion. I really enjoyed talk about this topic, as you can see. I still think that we have a lot, lots of research to do in this field because now we are get, having more and more da- data available to understand that change in physical activity, to understand different patterns of accumulation of physical activity in terms of intensity, bout duration. We are having more data from low and middle income countries coming soon. So, but we still need research funding to do good research because, uh, and then, and therefore advocate for physical activity as an important uh, aspect of prevention of non-communicable chronic disease. And again, thank you for that. And really uh, happy to to enjoy and participate that. And I I always like to have a chat about that, definitely. Yeah, my pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.